How does this sound? I'm in my car. It's August 23rd, my niece's birthday. We already celebrated when we were all in Vancouver. I took her to um, a salon and we got her nails done. Well, she got her nails done. I already gotten I had already gotten mine done a few days earlier, so I just got a foot massage. Watch the History Channel. She read her book. Is there anything better? Now I'm in my car because I'm not allowed in my house. I'm parked on Bloor Street, uh, close to a apartment we're going to look at to rent across the street from High Park. There's an old man on a bench outside my door behind me a bit wearing his Peter Fonda hat circa on Golden Pond and smoking a cigarette. He must be in his 80s. I think that's when I'm, I'm going to start smoking again when it doesn't matter anymore. If you're not in the hospital in your 80s, I would hope that I would have the uh, irreverence to start smoking again and playing a bit of roulette with fentanyl, you know? I probably won't. I'll probably be a total pussy. Probably hang on for dear life. I think after practicing living for so long, it makes perfect sense if it's hard to just give it up and start dying of your own will. Today on the podcast, I wanted to talk about the upside. There's always opportunity when things aren't going well. Look at your life like an investor looks at stocks. We buy low and we sell high. Buying low means when things look bad to everybody else. When everyone is fleeing that sinking ship, you say, hey guys, it's just a few holes in the hull. Let's dry dog this bitch and try again. My God, this must sound like shit, this recording. There's another old man on the sidewalk. He's coming towards me. He was just standing out there on the sidewalk, just just looking at people. He's not homeless. Just grinning at people. He's got a Volkswagen Tiguan. But he was just standing there, just sort of hailing people, talking to them. Now he's looking at a teenage teenager wearing short shorts. Are those considered shorts these days, young lady? No. Now I sound like this guy looks. That's my future. Just an old guy grinning. Just standing on a sidewalk. Just hailing people down like, hey, let's talk. No, he's not grinning. That's just his face. That's just his resting face. Where was I? Dry docking. Look, before I continue, I don't have all the answers, that's obvious, but we here in Canada, in Canada especially have enjoyed one of the greatest epochs of prosperity and peace the world has ever known, brought to you by a highly flawed political system called socialist big government and an economic system called capitalism, equally flawed. We in this country have the safety net, the checks and balances, the, regula the regulatory process, policies that make Canada, in spite of all of its um, n misgivings, n not only 
is one of the best places to live, but one that is worth fighting for. I'm not talking about... He just moved his car. He's getting back out. He's going back over to the sidewalk, I think. He just moved his car a bit. He's still looking around for people to talk to. Incredible. Putting his sunglasses on. Yeah, here comes another woman jogging. Leaning up against a post. Getting an eyeful. Wow, this is his move. Okay, God, I hope that's not my future. Jesus. I hope he's waiting for someone. He must be looking for somebody. This is weird. Where was I? Right. I'm not talking... I'm not a the, the militarist. I'm not talking about that kind of fighting. I'm not... Um, I'm not... Uh, the alt-right. I'm talking about this is my new story. I'm talking about this is my new perspective. What does all this have to do with acting? Well, I think the lens through which you look for look at things decides uh, what your life is going to be like. Perspective. Choose the story you tell yourself. Your attention is your life. Focus on the things that will serve you and not the things that will incapacitate you with stress. Last class, I saw some people when we were checking in, seeing how we were all doing, that were struggling. And I started peddling um, a truth that I had to convince myself of, and that was, if you're in the shit, if life is hard, it means you're in the exact right spot because it means you're engaging with the world. You can hold yourself up and be depressed and disappear, or you can go out there and get your heart broken and get your needs unfulfilled and get your feelings hurt and get rejected. It's, it's either or. There's no middle ground. Adversity will always be there for you. So tell yourself that you like it. Just try it. Tell yourself that you like the, the hard stuff. Say annoying things like bring it on. When the hard things happen, jump right at them. You welcome the difficulties. You feed off of them. And you do kind of. You do. You, you get over an obstacle and uh, you succeed and what happens? Your confidence goes up. Your confidence doesn't go up if things uh, come easy to you. The easy way is not, is not the way. The obstacle is the way, as Ryan, as Ryan Holiday always says. Practice that. Practice that and you'll become an expert with tenure at the School of Hard Knocks. Say to yourself, I want more difficulties in my life. Um, because invariably, if you're always wanting more difficulties, there's not going to be as many as you are expecting. Lower your expectations from the world. Raise your standards when it comes to yourself. Lower your expectations of everyone else, of the world, and what you think you're owed. 
Life is the Stockholm Syndrome. We make it. Suffering is guaranteed. It is your obligation to yourself to find the joy in all of this. And believe me, it'll be fleeting. Joy is fleeting. Happiness is uh, the incorrect yardstick. Who cares? Everything's hard, and it never stops being hard. You're not owed anything. You choose to be a victim, or you choose to be a victor. Um, I'm sorry, it's unsatisfying, and I don't mean it to sound too self-helpy, but this is my experience thus far. It's all in the way you frame it. It's in the language, and it's in the boldness or the power moves that you make. Today, decide to stop acting from a place of fear. It hasn't worked out for you yet, I promise. Those that make great stuff take great leaps. Don't take my hypocritical word for it. Look around you. The artist Richard Serra, look him up. He didn't start making massive steel sculptures because he was afraid. He did it in spite of his fear. He did it in spite of everybody saying, what do you think you're doing? This is nuts. Glenn Close doesn't collapse naked in the shower in the big chill because she was worried about what others thought of her. She did it because she was compelled. Great things never happen if you play it safe. They never happen if you play it safe. Start by taking up your God-given allotment of space on this earth and quit apologizing for living. Okay, actors like calling themselves storytellers. Fine, you be a storyteller. You'd be a storyteller so badly. Tell yourself this. Never doubt that a small group of thoughtfully committed individuals can change the world. In fact, it's the only thing that has. The oft-quoted Margaret Mead said that. Everything has to start somewhere. It all starts somewhere. It all starts small. You start small. Start now. Work harder than everyone else. It's in the doing. The more you do it, the more you'll love it. Life is the Stockholm Syndrome you make it. More love is the answer. If you love something more, that is the answer. You'll generate more love yourself. It always has been the answer and always will be. Jeanette Winterson in her autobiography, Why Be Happy When You Can Be Normal, writes about how she is reminded to not overlook or misunderstand all that is actually there. In your hands, now. We always think that the thing we need to transform everything, you know, this the idea of a miracle, is elsewhere. But often it is right next to us. Sometimes it is us, ourselves. That's where the answer is. That's why when I teach acting, it's not a system or a technique. There's no method. And just as much as it is growing, it also... Um, hopefully has the um, humility to change, to accept when it's wrong, to change its mind. We're allowed to change our minds with each and every class, with each and every student. Because um, all that which you bring, that's the stuff. That's the stuff that, that the decision makers want. We don't want to break you down so that I can build you up in a vision of me. It's not about fitting into some kind of box. I know you've been told it is. I know that the whole industry is geared towards that. But I don't think 
uh, that that equals um, peace of mind. I don't think that it equals creativity. I don't think it's our purpose here. I don't think it's the point. I don't think at all. I think we've been focusing on the wrong stuff. It's not to get a headshot so you look like everybody else. You don't want that. You know, I've spent decades trying to be somebody else. I just read about this giant in the Bible. What was his name? The Hallelujah Giant. And he was eight or nine feet tall. And then through prayer, they got him down to a more reasonable six foot three. And that was my dream for years. It was six two, actually. I'm six five. And I've got a high center of gravity. I'm not athletic. And I was asthmatic as a child. And. I was just a big, gangly, awkward thing with a big mouth and skinny arms. Not a great combo. And I, uh, I didn't pray. Maybe I should have. But I certainly hoped for years that I could be 6'2". I wished that I could be 6'2". But by the time I was 17, I was 6'4". There is no hoping or praying away the thing that you are. You can work to diminish who you are. But the best thing, the fastest way to peace of mind, to a satisfying creative life, to fulfillment, to happiness, whatever you want to call it, is by getting out of your own way, is by becoming more of you. Not the bad things. Don't go around saying, hey, I'm an asshole. Deal with it. I don't mean that. I mean that there's progress and growth. But your thing, the thing that you are, the thing that you bring to the table, that's the thing the world needs more of. Ugh, this sounds so self-helpy. But it's, it's, um, you know those people that um, they change the energy in a room as soon as they walk in? And not through performance, just through like, they got an ease about them. That's what I'm talking about. Just that ease. Just that ease. So just practice that today, whatever it looks like. I was practicing my, practicing my swagger the other day through Kensington Market, and my friend Mo said, hey, you got a real sachet going. Sachet was not what I was going for. Swagger what I was going for, is what I was going for. But free feedback ain't bad either. So I looked in all of my height like I was sacheting more than swaggering. This is great feedback. This is what you hope for. Otherwise, you go through life blindly. What you can measure, you can manage. What you can analyze, you can fix. What is your fault can be corrected. So measure what, is, what matters and forget all the other stuff. Don't use someone else's ruler. People have a lot of different rulers that might apply to them or maybe they can make money from it or... Maybe it's their job, or maybe it's they think what they should be doing, you know, like everybody has to look the same. This is what handsome looks like. This is talent. This is good acting, and this is bad acting. What's your yardstick? Measure what matters to you. It takes a while to figure out what does matter. And remember, everybody is allowed to change their mind. You think you have a yardstick now, and it changes as you gather more intel. You get a new yardstick. And when people say to you, hey, I thought you were this guy. I thought you were this thing over here. You can say, yeah, I was. No, I'm not. What, I can't change? 
To those of you who are my age, who are men and women of a certain age, you know all this stuff already. I'm talking to the young people now, okay? You'll never, you'll just embark on, just decide not to have to learn these lessons experientially, but learn them from, garner this information anecdotally from loudmouths like me or somebody else that can corroborate, you know, these shortcuts. We hope that we can learn via shortcuts and we don't all have to just go through these things, reinventing the wheel the whole time. You don't have the wisdom yet, but you do have the strength. All right, you do have the energy. Oh, oh, to have the energy I had when I was 25. I was just so clueless. You'll never again have the strength you have in your 20s. Your job now is to achieve, is not to achieve work-life balance. Forget, forget the balance part, okay? Just work really hard and, and um, forget all of your expectations of others. You're owed nothing. We've already been over that. Your job is to work harder than everyone else. All right, quit taking breaks. Stop talking about how exhausted you are. Apart from real mental illness, you have no excuses. Put your nose to the grindstone, then get a glass of water and go to bed early. Every day, every day, every day. What is all this victimhood these days? I don't think it serves. I think it's, um, what do you call it? Uh, Diminishing returns, you know? If everybody is tired and sad, then what are we doing here? Is that really the life you want to live? Don't you just want to get up with your with your fuck fingers pointed to the sky to everybody and everything and make shit happen? Or is that just me? Like when I get up and I see myself in the mirror, the first thing I should be doing is saying, fuck you, Jesus Christ. Not to me, to the mirror. Mirrors lie, by the way. And then you go outside and... And you find that joy. You find those people. You find the collaborators. And to everything else, fuck off. I think that's the way to do it. Not, hey, you're hurting me. Oh, not, I'm triggered. Who isn't triggered? Who isn't I'm triggering me right now. And the triggers always change, you know. There's always something to be triggered about. That's the problem with triggering. Everybody's suffering is valid now. Except for maybe white women. I'm not sure they're allowed. They never really have been allowed to suffer. Uh, except for, for about five minutes. There was Feminism had a sweet spot. And, um, and then they lost it again. And now we're back to the war on women. Anyways, that's a different podcast. Put your nose to the grindstone. And work harder. Ted Turner said via that great documentary about Arnold Schwarzenegger, early to bed, early to rise, work real hard and advertise. This is all the advice you need. And by you, of course, I mean me. And I know I've said this before, but it bears repeating, mostly because I forget stuff, but also because people don't read each and every expert missive I put out into the world. Not everybody is subscribing and downloading my podcast yet, which is upsetting. But hey, you don't have to care about my feelings because I just said that you didn't have to. Adversity is adventure. In Judith Kerr's young adult novel, When Hitler Stole Pink Rabbit, based on her escape from Nazi Germany as a child, which I highly recommend, uh, the book, and also Escaping Nazi Germany as a Child, 
She writes about how leaving her home and moving to Switzerland, Paris, and finally London as refugees was a great adventure. Now, obviously, it wasn't a great adventure for her parents. They were all Jewish. She was a child. She didn't really, couldn't really uh, totally get her head around, wasn't aware of the dangers like her parents were. They must have lost 15 or 20 pounds just through stress. And, I mean, they must have looked great, skin so taut and shiny. But the point is, is that um, even in the face of the worst stuff, you can make it about the joy of discovery, community, overcoming obstacles, looking for challenges, and helping people. You can do that. You can choose to do that. Or you can choose to just be triggered. Would we still be triggered every five seconds if there was a war on our shores? Or would that quickly dissipate into um, real triggers? We don't know what is good and what is bad. We don't really, I mean, we can't predict the future. None of us, we are always saying that we can. We're always telling people this is going to happen. Because if you're operating from a place of fear, you're never really all that wrong right? Either the bad thing happens and you were right, or the bad thing didn't happen and you were just being cautious. Fear, being Fearful living is a win-win. Fearful people love being afraid because they're never wrong. They were just being safe. They love the word safe. But we don't, when a bad thing happens to us, we don't really uh, focus on the upside. We don't look for the upside. You gotta look for the upside. Remember, look at your life like an investor. Um, from um, oh, what's this guy's name? He started the Rao Institute. That's his last name, Rao. Uh, Sri Kumar Rao, R A O. Uh, he read this book called "Are You Ready to Succeed Yet?" And I read it 20 years ago, and clearly it didn't sink in. Um, but he told this old Sufi tale. He regurgitated it. And I'm going to do the same for you now. Uh, it's about how we can't predict the future. And it's about the upside. Here we go. Indulge me. A man and his teenage son lived in a beautiful valley. They were very happy. But they were also dirt poor. And the man got tired of living in poverty. Amen, sister. He decided to go entrepreneurial on this shit and become rich by breeding horses. He borrowed heavily from his neighbors and bought a stallion. He kept it in a paddock. And the very day he bought it, the stallion kicked the top bar loose and vanished. The neighbors flocked around him to commiserate. Oh, you were going to be so rich, man, they said. But now your stallions run away and you still owe us money. How sad. And there may have been some schadenfreude in their sympathy. The man shrugged his shoulders and said, Good thing, bad thing, who knows. The stallion fell in with a bunch of wild horses, and the man spied them in a valley close by. He was able to entice them into his paddock, which he had repaired. So he now had his stallion back, plus a dozen horses. That made him a rich man by the standards of that village. The neighbors clustered around again, and there was a tinge of envy as they congratulated him. We thought you were destitute, man, but fortune has smiled upon thee, they said. You are a rich man. And the man shrugged his shoulders and said, Good thing, bad thing, who knows? The man and his son started to break the horses so they could sell them. One of them threw the man's son and stomped on his leg. 
He broke his leg and it healed crooked. Again the neighbors came. He was such a fine young lad. Now he will never be able to find a girl to marry. And the farmer shrugged his shoulders and said, Good thing, bad thing. Who knows? That very summer, the king of the country declared war on a neighboring country, and press gangs moved through the villages, rounding up all the able-bodied young men to serve in his army. They spared the man's son because he had a gammy leg. There were tears in their eyes as the neighbors lamented. We don't know if we will ever see our sons again. You are so fortunate, farmer. You still have yours with you. And the farmer shrugged his shoulders and said, Good thing, bad thing. Who knows? Don't forget the upside. Go back in your life. Has there anything bad that's happened to you? And at the time it seemed irrevocably horrible. But looking back at it today, you can clearly see that it was not so bad, or perhaps it was a good thing, or perhaps that you learned something from it. Most people can recall some of these instances if they can remember stuff, which I can't. So it is possible that these days you're labeling things that are happening as bad before they're actually cemented as concretely, irrevocably, inarguably bad. Before you even know, you're already calling them bad. And you don't know if they might turn out to be good soon. Now, this is advanced, the next step, okay? I haven't been able to do this yet, but um, this guy, Dr. Sri Kumar Rao, he suggests now taking the next step. This is advanced, okay? After asking yourself about the bad thing, is there any possible way in which this could actually turn out to be good? This takes you out of the realm of want, out of the realm of I'm a victim and into the realm of possibility. The next step after that is what can I do to make this happen? What can I do to make bad things good? Or what can I do to make things that happen good all the time? Then, according to him, you will find avenues opening up that you may never have conceived of before. I don't know. What do you think? Is it possible? He suggests that it works both in your personal and your professional life. I, if you want to read more about him, go to the rowinstitute.com. Rao spelled R-A-O, the rowinstitute.com. This is not my idea, but it does work. Especially the first part where you look back at your life and you go, you know, I thought that was going to be bad, but it turned out to be good. Everything, like the small things even, you know. This morning, um, because we weren't allowed in our house because it was... This is why I'm in my car. Did I mention this? It's been a half an hour of recording. I've probably forgotten. I already mentioned this. I'm selling my house and it's being shown right now and it's staged to make it look like nobody lives there and so me and my kids have to stay out and we've eaten been eating out for what feels like three weeks and um although it's been three meals and it's just disgusting and i'm totally done with it i just want to eat carrots in my house Anyways, what was I talking about? So this morning we had to be out of the house by 9 and I drove us to a different library because they're tired of the library that we always go to. So we go to the one other library and it doesn't open until 10. But then we find this world-famous uh, croissant place. And it's a bakery, so it's open early. 
So we, then we have these incredible croissants. I had a Kunamar. Have you had that? Kunamar? It's, um, what do you call it? Um, caramelized croissant. It's outrageously good. So there was a bad thing that turned out to be a good thing, right? And the staging of the house and not being able to be in it, that's a bad thing in that it's an inconvenience, but it's going to lead to a good thing. It's going to lead to... It's going to lead to the sale of my house. Hey, he was waiting for someone. There's his wife. There's his wife. He was, he's not just a crazy guy living in his car. I made that story up. He was still gawking at women, getting an eyeful. Uh, and his resting face is weird. It looks like he's grinning at everybody like he's crazy, but... But he's got a wife. And sure, he's just driving a Volkswagen Tiguan. Look, we can't all... We can't all be winners. But look at that. There he goes. Him and his wife. He's not homeless. He's got a wife. All right. That's it. Let's answer some questions, shall we? If you want your question answered on the podcast, send me a voice memo to jasonbryden at gmail.com. That email address again is jasonbryden at gmail.com. I will answer all of your acting or life questions right here. Uh, if you want further information, go to boldacting.com. And um, if you want to sign up for my Substack, uh, you can do that at boldacting.substack.com. It's a free newsletter that I send out every Sunday. And if you're listening to this podcast, go ahead and rate and review it. And uh, five stars only. Um, if you loved it, tell your friends. If you didn't, you know, just uh, be quiet about it. Nobody likes a whiner. Hello, my name is Cheyenne. I'm an aspiring actress for two years now. And my question is, once someone has landed um, a call back from like a commercial how do you nail the in-person audition? How do you make sure that you receive a callback after the in-person portion of the audition? Hey, Cheyenne. How do you nail the callback? Well, first of all, you, I don't think you can. I mean, there's just so many cooks in that kitchen so many variables at play. I think it's worse in commercials than in film and TV or whatever we're calling it now. There's a whole bunch of people, decision makers, that know about performance, like the casting director and the director. And then there's people um, in the agency uh, and production side that also have a lot of experience, probably. Um, but, you know, they're in advertising. So um, they're going after different things. Then there's the client who also has opinions. And they, uh, they often have their hands on the purse strings. Comedy, performance, drama, whatever is never well made when it comes from a committee. And a committee is what you're dealing with with commercials. All this to say is take the pressure off. You can't, uh, you can't nail anything when you can't see where the target is. 
you can't it's like playing darts in the dark so all you can do really is go in there and do what you did to earn the call back in the first place do the exact same thing you did in your initial audition and then try desperately to forget about it because you're about to get redirection from the director or the casting director or both or maybe somebody on a tile in a zoom call from London, England and you're supposed to listen to this disembodied voice Uh, they often start off with a bunch of platitudes you know, really, really nice, great to meet you, that was wonderful. Now, can you do it entirely differently? You just got to practice redirection. You got to practice not being precious with the great ideas that you came up with. The reason why you got the callback may not have been performance. It may have been because you looked right. So take that for what it's worth, get that callback, and then go in there and be as fluid as possible. Be like a trout. Be a salmon, ready, just waiting, just idling, just open. Be open to anything. One trick that I found works is um, you do some research. Once you get that call back, find out what that director likes. Go and watch that director's work. You find out their name, and then you go to either their website or their production company's website and you find and you watch their oeuvre directors are represented by production companies production companies are run by executive producers okay so find out the production company and then you'll find out uh, who represents the director and the director's work watch that stuff and then tailor make your performance towards the work they're doing keeping in mind that they're now working for a new client possibly so it could all change and it could change behind closed doors and you're never the wiser over all of this um, is your attitude if you go in there as I've said before happy to be there and you're having fun yeah it just looks needy and to me it looks like bullshit who the hell likes auditioning who enjoys that kind of pressure i always found a touch of contempt uh, works wonders now that's my bad attitude what's your cool your version of cool detachment cheyenne What's your version of confidence? Go in with that. All right, you're finally in the room with people. Don't give away your power. Practice that. Whatever that means to you, it's not going to be the same as it is to me. I can tell you that a dryness, um, a performance with with your effusiveness uh, tamped down, Tighten the cap on your performance. Style-wise, that seems to be the name of the game these days. It certainly isn't big and broad. It isn't cheerful unless it's done with a wink. Uh, what's that great line in um, <laughs> in uh, Triangle of Sadness? In that first scene where all the male models are, are lining up and, uh, and there's two kinds of clients in uh, modeling. There's the cheap clients where all the models are smiling, like Gap. 
And then there's the expensive clients where none of the miles models are smiling, like um, Dolce and Gabbana. So know your client, know the product, know the director, know the product. What's the product? Do they like you smiling or something else? Do they like comedy or earnestness? Do some research, research, find out who the director is. If, if they've hired the director, the director has already done work that they want. So it'll fill in all the gaps. And then go from there. And then as soon as you walk out, out of that audition, just forget about it. Practice that because there's no rhyme or reason. There is no rhyme or reason. I've seen actors, when I'm in casting, I've seen actors just, you know, not exactly shit the bed, but just totally be average. And they book the job. Because um, they could act and they had the right look. I hope that helps, and thanks so much for the question. If you want your answer, your question answered on the podcast, send me a voice memo to jasonbryden at gmail.com. That's gmail.com. Let's go to our next question. Hi, my name is Lisa Kimberly. I am an actress from Toronto. Uh, I, my question is, what's one thing that you could... Or a piece of advice, I guess, or like a mantra or something to help actors who are getting over the fear of, I guess, just trying, getting over the fear of, like, just doing it. In short, the way you keep going is by doing it. The more you do it, the more you fall in love with it. If you're doing it with people that you like, like-minded people, all the better. So the first thing you do is you go to class. It doesn't have to be mine. It's a shortcut to finding your community, finding the people that you can make stuff with. The new making it is making stuff. So making it, forget about it. Forget about the, ma- I'm going to make it. We're not, we're not making it anymore. We're making stuff together. That way we take the gatekeepers and the decision makers and the popularity contest and the expectations of, of others out of the equation. We're already making stuff. You can make everything you want on your phone. All you need is a better microphone. This one I'm using right now cost me 20 bucks. So that's how you keep going. Put your big, beautiful brain to the side. It's done enough damage. Quit thinking about stuff. Get into good enough. If you're making stuff that is good enough, that is all that you are required to do. And I'll tell you why. The satisfaction and fulfillment you'll feel from making your own stuff and putting it out there in the world and taking that risk is far greater than sitting around and waiting for the phone to ring for an audition or a callback that's going to make or break you. You can't count on other people. They will disappoint you each and every time. You can't count on this business. It's fickle. It's it, Right now, it's like a plane without any engines that are working and it's quickly heading towards a mountain now more than ever we have to remember why we got into this business in the first place it's not because of the business it's because of the show we were compelled as children to perform and we just couldn't scratch that itch smart money goes on people getting out of that everybody starts off as actors everybody starts off performing it's in us it's wired up in us to, to, 
to entertain, to look for affirmation, and yes, to tell those stories. Smart money goes and gets a real job. You and I were a little bit different. We have to get a real job too, but we also have to make art. And we need more artists. We need artists now more than ever. So I'm not saying give up on your dream. Far from it. The opposite, in fact. I'm saying your dream will feed you if you treat it with kid gloves. Or if you make it serve you. And that means uh, at a ground level, you generate community one person at a time. You can go to class to do that. You can find that online. But it has to end up in real life eventually. And then you make stuff together. You help each other with your demo reels. You make short films that you put on Vimeo. You make a digital series and you put that on YouTube and you keep doing that. And you find out how hard it is, how boring it is, how exciting it is, how exhilarating it is. And then how hard it is to find an audience. But in the meantime, you've met all these crazy creative people and it's so much fun. That's how you keep going. Aim for the fulfillment, the fulfillment that you can control, Lisa, not the ones where you're waiting by the phone and hoping for an audition or hoping to book those two lines on that Hallmarkian masterpiece, Love in the Hurricane Corridor, or whatever it is. We've been aiming our sights at the wrong thing. The wrong thing is not is not the dreck. The right thing is making your own opportunities. It's making your own luck. And above all, it's making your own art. That's what you got to do. Hi, I'm Alicia. I'm an actor. And I was just wondering, what are the first steps that an actor needs to take in order to choose the right agency and know that they're going in the right direction? Uh, I get this question a lot. It's also a similar one that I got from uh, a caller, Rahul. So I'm going to answer it for both of you. The closest agent is the agent for you. The one that you can get easiest is the agent for you. There is no uh, wrong agent when you're starting out. There is only anyone who will take a chance on you. Agents are like barbers in a salon. They're just renting a chair. They're working their ass off. They're not, most of them in this country, are not these power brokers uh, that can make careers. There's no such thing as careers really in Canada. It's different. It's smaller. It's riskier. It's harder, arguably. So if you're beginning and you don't have any experience, then grab an agent who's also um, commensurate with uh, your ability to get in the room. Eventually, you'll leave them. And don't worry about that. Actors leave agents all the time. It's no big deal. Don't worry about loyalty. Don't worry about um, hurting people's feelings. Practice hurting people's feelings because they're going to hurt yours too. 
It's business, is what I'm trying to say. So treat it as such. Take the emotionality out of it. Get an agent so you can get experience auditioning and dealing with an agent. And then you can work on agenting your agent, which is a whole other question. You're going to move on from that agent eventually. You're going to change agents a number of times. I have. I've gone back to the old agent a couple times. I've been in this game so long. It doesn't matter. So it's no big deal. Just go out and get one. What you need to get one is a demo reel, and you need headshots. It really helps these days if you have a following online. Uh, It doesn't matter, though. You have to be available, really. You've got to be available. It helps to be young. It helps to be a person of color. I always tell my students um, that are BIPOC, I say, make hay while the sun shines. It's been predominantly great for white people forever. And now, you guys, this is it. This is your time to shine. Regardless, Alicia, of your ethnicity, get out there, get somebody. It doesn't matter. All that matters is that you get as much experience as possible doing the thing that you love. That's what's going to yield the most education. Now, if you want to know what the stuff you've got to send in, that's not exactly what you asked, but you've got to send in your photo. It's got to be a professional headshot. It's got to look good. It's got to look like you, too. You've got to send in a demo reel. This does not have to be professionally done. You, have, you can make it yourself. Uh, you get your friends, and you send in two minutes, no more than two minutes, and show some variety, for God's sake, and make sure it's good, and make sure the lighting is good and the sound is good. But you can do it all on your phone. Get your friends uh, to help you, help each other, make a demo reel. Get scenes from your favorite shows uh, where you play roles that you could actually be cast in. Send all that in. It doesn't matter if there's, any, if there's nothing on your resume. Just put in stuff, your special skills, your experience, your high school plays. It doesn't matter. Everybody starts somewhere, okay? It doesn't have to be a mile long. Don't lie. And don't pad it out. Don't lie. Don't try and be clever. Just go in there and be like, I'm eager to learn. I, am, I will be available for every audition. I will be a low-maintenance actor. Just send me this stuff, and I'll always have all my lines ready. Memorized. My self-tapes will be done really well, and they'll be on time, and they'll be the right file size, and you won't have to worry about me. And that's all they'll really want from you. Okay, I hope that helps. I hope it's not too cynical. If you have any further questions about this, uh, just send me another one. To jasonbryden at gmail.com. That email again is jasonbryden at gmail.com. J-A-S-O-N-B-R-Y-D-E-N at gmail.com. That's the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. For more information, go to boldacting.com. Come check out my classes. Sundays at Grand Glass Casting in the Junction 48 Cothera, right near LA Fitness and the Organic Garage for all your overpriced organic snacks. If you like this show, please give me a five-star review. Go to iTunes or Spotify or wherever you listen to this thing and press five stars. You don't have to write a review. Just five stars. Just give it the fiver. It goes a long way to getting the word out, apparently. 
And if you want to um, get my free newsletter in your inbox every Sunday, go to boldacting.substack.com. That's boldacting.substack.com. And I'll see you then. Thanks so much. I wouldn't do it without you.